chapter four of the campfire girls at sunrise hill this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the campfire girls at sunrise hill by margaret vandercook meg thump 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 came the sound of a heavy object rolling slowly step by step down a long stairway and then after an interval of ten seconds a prolonged ear-piercing roar immediately a girl darted out of a room on the second floor of a pretty brick house colliding with a young man several years older who came forth at the same time from his own room across the hall great scott meg what are you doing only half dressed at this hour of the day he demanded with brotherly contempt we will discuss my costume or lack of it later she returned holding her short flannel dressing sack together and laughing over her shoulder where one long blonde plate hung neatly braided the rest of her hair falling loose methinks that was horace virgil everett trying to break up the furniture somewhere was there ever such an infant born into this suffering world i simply never turned my back without his getting into fresh trouble while she was talking she was also running downstairs followed in a more leisurely manner by her brother both of them glanced into the empty library and untidy dining-room as they passed and finally arrived in a dark passageway at the end of the back stairs a small object lay on the floor with its arms and legs outspread showing not the slightest inclination to pick itself up and on meg's bending over it the wails broke out afresh oh do shut up bumps jack everett said good-naturedly you haven't killed yourself and you're much too big for meg to carry but the small boy clung desperately to his sister his fat arms about her neck and his legs about her waist until with difficulty she was able to get him upstairs and into her own room he was probably about three feet high and almost as broad between three and four years old with brown hair that would stand up in a pompadour simply because it was too stiff to lie down a perfectly insignificant nose a cupid's bow of a mouth and two large grave blue eyes as innocent of mischief as any lamb's at the present moment however his eyes were simply raining tears as though they had their source in a cloudburst and over one of them a bump appeared as large as an egg indeed horace virgil named for his professor father's favorite latin poets had been rechristened bumps by his older brother and was more commonly known by that title meg kept glancing at the clock as she dampened her small brother's forehead with witch hazel i am afraid i can't go she said in a disappointed tone and i am dreadfully sorry because i promised but if i leave horace with the servants now he will howl himself ill i don't suppose you are going to stay in for a few hours oh of course not she concluded seeing that her older brother was wearing his khaki service uniform and held a big broad-brimmed hat in his hand hi ho don't i wish i were a boy she sighed whimsically turning at last toward her mirror decorated with college flags and beginning to braid the second half of her hair john everett frowned and fidgeted i am sorry meg he replied after a moment i would stay at home only there is a meeting of my brigade and when a fellow belongs to a thing why he owes it some of his time 
i don't see why you have to stay at home so much of course it is a good deal for a girl to have to look after a house and father and the kid and me but you have two maids and if you only were a better manager why you don't seem even to take time to dress like other girls you are always kind of flying apart with a button off your waist or the braid torn on your skirt and i do love a spick and span girl why don't you look like betty ashton she's always up to the limit margaret everett coiled her yellow plaits about her head keeping her back turned to hide the trembling of her lips until she was able to answer cheerfully why yes i should like to look like the princess and wear clothes like she does but in the first place i am not so good-looking as betty i haven't a maid to see after my clothes and fifty dollars a month to dress on and i haven't a mother jack everett flushed he was a splendid-looking fellow big and brown with light hair of almost the same coppery tones as his sister's and although but eighteen was nearly six feet tall it was his last year at the male high school of which his father was president and already he had passed with high honors his entrance examinations for dartmouth college oh i say meg don't pile it on he protested you are handsome enough all right and it was only on your own account that i was wishing you could run things better meg had evidently given up the idea of her engagement by this time for she had seated herself in a big chair with her small brother on her lap and was rocking him slowly back and forth his head resting on her shoulder you are right jack i am not offended she answered i know i am a poor manager but somehow i don't just take to housekeeping and mothering naturally men always think girls know such things by instinct they don't understand that we have to learn them just as boys learn bookkeeping or office work and i have never had any one to teach me the late miss everett a new voice called unexpectedly apparently coming from about midway up the front steps meg may i come on upstairs the front door was half open and i knew full well that you would never keep your promise to me unless i came and got you meg put down her small burden hastily and john unconsciously stiffened his broad shoulders until his appearance was more than ever military come on up betty dear i am sorry i am such a sight but the baby has just gotten hurt and i have to give up the club meeting meg called back the next instant betty ashton appeared at the open bedroom door wearing a light woolen motor coat a blue hat with a red-brown wing in it fitting close over her hair which was tucked up out of sight in a very grown-up fashion she had a great deal of color and her eyes were bright with desire oh you can't disappoint me meg i shall never forgive you she protested and then came to a sudden stop seeing that john everett was also in her friend's room but as he bowed low to her it was impossible for him to have observed her slight blush do take meg with you by force miss ashton he urged it was always quite thrilling to betty at fifteen to be called miss ashton and no other boy of her acquaintance seemed to realize that one could grow out of being addressed as betty she spoils the small boy and all the rest of us far too much bumps has just taken another tumble jack everett then backed out of the room in soldierly fashion and at the instant of his disappearance betty tucked her arms about the small horace critically surveying his injured eye do hurry and get dressed meg that's a dear you know we simply can't get on without you this afternoon 
i will button you up in a jiffy and we can take this bumptious little person along with us he will probably escape and fall down somewhere while we are having our meeting but we can both keep our eyes on him he would be too much trouble meg demurred but already she was surveying her only clean shirtwaists a blue and a white one to see which one was in the better state of repair the blue was faded but whole so she slipped into it letting betty button it up the back and then with her brother's words still rankling in her mind carefully adjusted her skirt at the belt you are awfully good to let me come this afternoon betty because i told you it would be just impossible for me to spend the summer with you girls as it would be for me to take a trip to the moon john is going camping and father is to have a summer lecture course in boston and oh yes and you are to stay at home and take care of this house and baby i don't think it is fair or that your father or brother in the least realize what you do for them but see here dear if what i think is true as my old nurse used to say and you come to be a campfire girl this summer why you will learn an awful lot about keeping house and being the first aid to broken babies and everything you need to know never mind don't let us argue about the question now just come along for the motor is waiting at the gate nearly all the girls i have asked must be at home by this time but i have to collect two more people martha mcmurtry you know how i love her and yet she carries the information in her brain of the right way to organize a campfire club also there is eleanor meade being a genius you know eleanor can't be expected to remember anything should a wave of inspiration happen to flow over her End of chapter four